0: You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now here is Tom Eliff. Verses 1 through 14 of chapter 3, we have discovered how to win over sin. It's a very simple formula, although it's taken me now uh, three services and I've got one more to go after tonight to deal with this. But it's really a very simple formula. The Apostle Paul tells us in chapter 3, verses 1 through 14, that first of all, there are four elements to consider. The position that you've established, the promise that you can enjoy, the punishment you have escaped, and the practices of sin which you can eliminate. And then we look this morning at five enemies you must crucify. Five enemies you must crucify as we examine verse 5 where he says, Put to death, therefore, your members which are upon the earth fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. For which thing's sake the wrath of God comes upon the children of disobedience. We looked at all five of those enemies and saw how they were tied together, saw how they developed sequentially. And the truth of the matter is, the list we are given here is a list given to us by the Apostle Paul in reverse order. It all begins, he says, with covetousness. And it moves from there to the point where an individual actually becomes involved in fornication, illicit sex. But in between, there's a wide range. And we look at the various activities, the passions which begin to grip a person's heart. So four elements to consider five enemies to crucify at the night. I want you to see with me that there are six errors to cast off. Six errors to cast off. So stand with me if you will, please. I'm going to begin reading with verse 8. But now he says, you also put off. And that means literally to cast off or to lay aside these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. Tonight, six errors to cast off. Now remember that the issue is how to win over sin. The Apostle Paul is explaining to us that you need not go through the entirety of your life feeling that there are just some sins before which you must always bow, calling them bad habits or character flaws our personality traits our weaknesses in your faith. The Apostle Paul says God calls him sin, and you can win over sin. At stake here is this issue. The fact that Christ has paid the penalty for your sin means that sin has been robbed of its power, therefore, you no longer have to practice sin. You lived in it at one time, said the Apostle Paul. But now the penalty has been paid. The power has been robbed from it. You don't live in it, so you don't have to practice sin any longer. That's why the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, or to the Corinthians in that first letter, There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God will, with the temptation, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. He says, He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will, with the temptation, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Father, I pray, trusting that your Holy Spirit will minister to us grace and truth and life tonight. Lord, alert us to what the potential is in our lives for winning over sin. Father, I believe that there are people here tonight, some of who would say, for years I have struggled in certain areas of my life and wondered if there ever would come a time when I could get victory over that sin. Lord, show us that victory is not only a possibility, but that as we bow before you in the principles which you have given us in your word, it is an imminent probability. As a matter of fact, it's a guarantee, a promise on your part that we can win over sin. And so, Lord, teach us the truth of that, I pray, in your wonderful name. Amen. We've seen four elements to consider. Five enemies to crucify. Now tonight, six errors to cast off. Six errors to cast off. Put aside, he says. Put aside or put off all of these. So let's look at three things this evening as you take your Bible in hand. First of all, I want you to look with me at what I want to call the errors, these six errors defined. The errors defined. He calls them by name. Anger, wrath. Malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, and lying. Lie not one to another, he says in verse 9. Now, let's look at each of these sins, each of these errors. They're more than just missing the mark. These are sins before which many people have tremendous difficulty. As a matter of fact, while on the one hand, many people would not uh, take that list, which the Apostle Paul gives us in verse 5, Fornication. they'd say, well, you know, I'm not really sure. Uh, And then you begin to look at that list and say, oh, no, I'm not idolatrous. But we saw this morning that believers in Christ are the ones who are struggling with this. Well, now here we see another list, and, and I think many people here this evening, if you're anything like I am at all, these are areas where you also have great struggles and you need great power to win the victory. Well, what are these errors? Let's look at the definition of them, first of all. He gives us anger now this word in the original language of the scripture or gay really refers to a disposition or an angry disposition in your heart now please understand what the apostle paul is telling us here he's not talking about an anger that is in your life because of an event which has occurred, or a circumstance in which you find yourself. What he is saying here is that, that here is an individual in whose life there is this general characteristic of anger. He just, he's just angry. He's angry at God. He's angry perhaps at his family. He's, he's angry with the people at work. He is just angry in general. He just has a disposition of anger. The events which occur in his life actually reveal this disposition. They don't cause it, they reveal it. You see, people come to me sometimes and they say, Brother Tom, I'd be a much different person if this individual hadn't done this to me or if that corporation hadn't done that to me or if people had treated me this way or or those folks in the class hadn't said this or if my spouse had not done this, I wouldn't be the kind of person I am. Well, you see, what they fail to realize is there are a whole lot of other people in the world who have had the very same thing occur in their life, but they're not that way. Why? Because that is not in their disposition. Their disposition was to respond in a different fashion. So this anger is just a basic disgruntlement with God. I have been treated unfairly. God is not giving me a fair shake in my life. That's what he's talking about here. (laughs) I remember one time, I, I used to be just almost at one time in my life addicted to uh, softball church league softball. in fact, I, I remember the the last day that I was really involved heavily in it. I pitched seven games of softball in a softball tournament in one day. They we had it rain out, and we started early in the morning, late past midnight that night. I was weary and I mean i <clears throat> just really addicted to it uh, in, in one sense of the word and loved it and uh, we were, we were playing a match, this team was, and uh, boy, you know, it was church league ball and everything, but right in the middle of the game, I began to see some behavior that was not at all commensurate with Christians and, and the things that were being said and the things that were being done, and boy, I mean, all of a sudden, this was serious business. And, and one of my friends was, was right next to me, and, and he said, this proves what I've always said. I said, well, what have you always said? He said, he said well, contrary to what a lot of people say, church athletics don't usually develop character, but they really do expose a lot of it. Well, That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying that, that there are people who are just going through life with a general disposition of being dissatisfied with where they are and with what they're doing and with their lot in life. They're just upset with God. They are angry. And then he says, not only that, but there is wrath. And this is the word, anger is the word orge. This is the word thumos. By the way, we get our word thermos from this because uh, thumos actually refers to a boiling or a seething disposition, which if you take the cap off of it, it explodes and then it dies back down. And so here's a person with this basic disposition of anger. And then this begins to develop, the apostle Paul says. Now, By the way, let me just say that in the list in chapter, in verse 5, he went in reverse order. In this list, he's going in the proper sequence. So here's a person who's just basically disgruntled with the lie. And all of a sudden, there are these things that happen in his life. The lid comes off, and he just explodes, anger, wrath. There's just an explosion. He says, well, I'm just sorry. I just lost control. You know anybody like that? Oh, I I apologize. I just flew off the handle. Or people say, hey, you know, don't tick that gal whatever you do. We're walking on eggshells around the office today. We're being real careful around the plant today because old so-and-so, you know he's basically angry, but man, he'll fly off the handle. Well, That's what he's talking about here. Anger, wrath. Then if you just let that go, if you don't deal, if you don't with that, if you don't cast aside this error, the next one is malice. Now here is an even more intense anger. This is an anger and a wrath that has developed into a willingness to, to harm other people, to injure other people. Uh, you attorneys who are here tonight talk about a crime with malice, with the intent of harming some word, someone. It's the word kakia. And <clears throat> here again, the, the idea is I don't care who's in my way. I don't care who has to get hurt. I don't care what has to happen to those people. I'm going to get my pound of flesh. Now, I want to show you something very interesting in the development of this. He's saying you've got to cast these aside. You've got to cast aside anger, wrath, which develops into this ultimate idea, I don't mind who gets hurt. By the way, let me just just be transparent uh, with you for a moment. The other morning... I awaken. I you you, pro- you have probably never had this happen to you. But I have. On more than one occasion. I awakened with, with, and I don't know where it was coming from, just a basic cloud in my spirit. Probably has never happened to you. I just had you know, I just sort of woke up with a furrowed brow. And I had my quiet time too. And, and, and I just came on the office here at the church. I just I know I'm the only one that's ever happened to, but I just, I just came and I just and I'd, I'd read, and I'd prayed, and I was just trying to be happy. And, and I, I know something that was on my mind. It was something that had happened, and, and I had forgotten that God is in control of everything, you know, and so I had just put that aside. And, and, and about midway through the morning, I was in a phone conversation, and I said something to a man on the phone. I said, hey, look, I'm just tired of... And, and in fact, it was, it was so clear-cut what I said that that later on I had to go to that man and apologize. I said, I need to ask you to forgive me. The reason I had to go to him and apologize is because God just destroyed me with this message. I was getting this message. I can't preach that unless I, unless I really deal with this. And he said, oh, Brother Tom, Brother Tom. Hey, man, yeah, it's nothing. I said, well, it's nothing to you, but it's something to me because what I said was not at all charitable and Christ-like. And the and it just was sort of an explosive venting of my feelings about a certain issue. Uh, so much so that, that, that I, I was willing for someone to suffer a loss in order for me to get it right, you see. Now, to me, the thing that is so interesting is this, that the Apostle Paul moves from... You never would think it would happen this way, from anger to wrath to malice, the desire to hurt somebody... And then he he doesn't say, and then it goes on to murder and then slaughtering millions. No, he goes immediately into the tool most of us use most often, which is the tongue. Anger, wrath, malice. And then he says, when you don't mind whether people get hurt, you have a willingness to harm or destroy other people, then you don't mind slandering them notice this word blasphemy blasphemy blasphemia in the Greek language here people the Bible says are in in God's creation but you don't mind slandering them you don't mind you don't mind what you say about anybody it doesn't make a difference you know you, you, you can run someone down at the drop of a hat and you'll drop the hat you can be openly ardently critical of other people you slander them it makes no difference. If you can't kill them physically, which you know would already be wrong, at least you can do a little damage to their reputation. Blasphemy, slander. And by the way, he says, look, look at this. Uh, it goes beyond that. Pretty soon, if you find a person who's willing to talk bad about other people, then filthy communication out of your mouth. The word here in the original language... <coughs> Filthy or base are vile words. Uh, Eskrologia, vile words, filthy things. And I've discovered that's true. When you find a person who's basically angry and explosive and doesn't mind hurting other people to the extent he'll say anything about anybody, even if what he says hurts those people, pretty soon you'll find him also to be, or her also to be a person out of whose mouth comes vile communications. Just evil, obscene statements about people, filthy statements about people. Now, here's the thing that's going to shake you up. Ultimately, it culminates in life, just lying, just not telling the truth. The reason I, I put it that way is that most people think that that's no big deal. I mean, you want to talk about your anger, and you want to talk about your wrath, and you want to talk about your uh, your uh, malice, and you want to talk about blasphemy, slander, and and vile communication. Hey, but you're talking about just lying. Hey, man, just just not telling the truth. It's not really accurately portraying things as they really are. Right? Yeah. Paul says that is the biggie. That's the end. You see me just 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 lying? Oh, hey, wait a minute. Now you have adopted the quality, the character of the devil who is the father of lies. You just fallen in league with the devil. Where does lying start? Lying starts with anger. I'm dissatisfied with the way things are. Therefore, I can ultimately go through this whole process to the point that I am willing to tell you it is some way that it's not in order to get it to be the way I think it ought to be. I'll mishandle the truth anyway if you want to mishandle the truth. I'll tell you whatever you want to hear. I'll tell you whatever I want you to hear. I'll tell you as much or I'll tell you as little, or, but I will do anything but be transparent that's what he's talking about. And he says here when you do that you have adopted the quality of the devil himself. Now, if you meet someone who is by nature a liar. And I know people who would rather stand uh, climb a tree and tell a lie than to stand on the ground and tell the truth. I mean it's, it's just in them. They just lie. I mean, it, it just every, everything is just a it's just Truth means nothing to them. You find someone who's there, that's not the start of problems. Paul says that's the end of the trail for you, buddy. When you carelessly handle the truth, you're at the end of a long process that started way back, basically, with being disgruntled with what God had assigned you in life to bring out the best in you a wrong response to God's sovereign plan for your life. No such thing, by the way, as a half-truth. Something's either all true or it's a lie. No such thing, a little white lie, all lies with God are big lies. They're all untruths. They make difference whether you tell it to keep from hurting somebody's feeling. You lied. But I was being diplomatic, you lied. You fail to do what God assigned you in the world, the responsibility of doing, being truthful. You say, but it would have hurt their feelings. Then they didn't have to say it, did you? Or you could have said it in love, couldn't you? Or could you could have waited to say it. But in reality, you passed the buck. You're upset. You got that responsibility in life, so you just lie. Lying. The end of the trail, not the beginning. The end of the trail. Because if there's anything We know about the devil, it is, he's a liar. He's a liar. Well, no wonder the Apostle Paul says these are six errors to cast off. So we've looked at the errors defined. Let's look secondly at the exercise which is demanded. The exercise which is demanded. What is the exercise? What do we do with these things? He says, put off all these Now, you're about to learn something that's going to help you not only in your Christian life uh, in regard to these sins, it's going to help you with the tithe. You say, Brother Tom, are you sneaking stewardship in on this sermon? I was really with you. I was really enjoying this. Are you about to talk about the tithe? Yeah. Yeah, because you can't understand what it means to put off unless you understand something about the tithe. The word here for put off is the word apo, which is a prefix in the Greek language which means aside or away from, And it's hooked to another word, which is tithemi, from which we get our word tithe. You see, the tithe is a separated 10%. It is a designated, separated out 10%. The tithe is not something you do last. The tithe is something, it is what you separate out from the very beginning. This is the separated 10th. It stands on its own. All right? And so the word here for put off is apo. In other words, separate away from you. Get away from it. This is the exercise which is encouraged. Now, let me say that what I said this morning in the worship service applies to this message here. That if you're saying, man, I'm having trouble dealing with with my my concept of the truth. I just can't seem to tell the truth. I just can't. I'm really struggling with truth. I'm going to, from now on, I'm going to be truthful and you find you can't be. Or if you say, "Man, I tell you what, I'm going to try, I'm going to try not to be vile in my communications." Well, and you find out that you can't be, and then, and then you you find out that you have a, a willingness to blaspheme or to slander other people, to make them who they are. You can cut them to shreds with your tongue, and you can't figure out why are you like that, and why do you have it in your heart to hurt people anyway, and why is your anger exploding so often, and why are you just walking around with a cloud in your spirit anyway? All right, now you're back to, how, to the head of the snake. Everything else is out in the body of the tail. If you want to deal, for instance, with lying, you've got to go back and crush the head, which is a basic dissatisfaction with God's sovereign choice in your life. You're angry. You're mad. And the way you're going to try to change it is by, what, just seething and exploding and hurting other people and saying things about them and vile communication and just lying in general. How do you deal with it? Go all the way back to the root, which is basic anger, just angry, you see. Well, there are the errors defined. There's the exercise that is demanded. Now, I want to get to the exciting part. We see the enablement detailed here. God says, I'm going to show you how to do this, all right? I'm going to show you how to deal with these errors. And so let me just suggest four things that I see here very quickly in the Scripture. And this will show you how to deal with these errors. First of all, you need to establish in your life, in your heart, that you have clearly repentant of sin as you have turned to christ that you really have turned away from sin that you didn't make some spurious kind of conversion you know traipse down the aisle mimic some words and say hey that's it but that you really gave your heart to the lord jesus christ you need to establish that you're genuinely a christian you're not going to have victory as a friend of mine says you don't have arms long enough to box with god and so you got if god is going to be in the act it means you're going to have to be genuinely born again and so notice, if you will, what he says in verse 9. Lie not one another, seeing, he says, now, in other words, we're, we're making this assumption, you have put off the old man. You say, oh, put off, that must be the word apatithemi, but it's not. It's a totally different word. Apek duoma, which means you have stripped off once and for all. Totally different word. He said, all right, now, have you done that? You have put off, you stripped off once and for all the old man with his deeds. Now, look over here just for a moment. The reason that there are so many people whose names are on the rolls of churches across the country who are not truly born again, they say, well, I've prayed the prayer or I've been baptized. We have a host of them right here in our own church, and it may include some of you here this evening. The reason people like that are not successful in living the Christian life, as John says in John, John's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 19, they went out from us, but they weren't of us, for if they had been of us, they no doubt would have remained with us, but they went out that it might be made manifest that they were not all of us. The reason for that is that there is a basic lack of attention to an essential, and that is repentance. Repentance. I genuinely desire repentance to put off, to strip aside the old man with all of its deeds. I want to turn from sin. You see, we're big on preaching, turn to Jesus, go to heaven, love God, He'll love you, live a wonderful life. But was there in your heart ever, has there been genuine remorse over sin and the recognition that you were caught in a swirling vortex of sin that would drag you to an eternity in hell? Or did you just saunter down the aisle and say, I'll pray whatever prayer you have to pray to get in heaven? The Apostle Paul says, if you're going to deal with sin, if, you're going to have, if these errors are going to be cast aside, first of all, we're going to have to operate from the assumption that you have been truly born again. Have you stripped off the old man? Totally. Cast it aside. All right? Number two. Then have you identified with Christ? You see... Conversion is turning from sin, turning to Christ. They're two sides of one coin, all called faith. Turning from sin, turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 10. He said, you have put on the new man. You have put on the new man. The Bible says when you become a Christian, old things pass away, all things become new. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You put on the new man. And so let me ask you this question. Number one, have you truly repented of sin? Number two, have you trusted in Christ and Christ alone as your Savior? All right, now operating from that assumption. Then he said there is a way to deal with these sins. Notice what he says. This new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him who created him. All right, how do you become... See, the Apostle Paul's dealing with these Colossians who believe in Gnosticism. And, you know, if you just know a lot of stuff, he's saying, no, we're talking about knowledge that changes you. Knowing something that makes a difference in you. And so he says, you are renewed in knowledge of what? Well, knowledge of this one. I've lost my page here, all right? You're renewed in the knowledge after the image of, of him who created him and so you're to grow more and more like jesus how do you do that turn with me to romans chapter 12 you ought to know this verse by memory what does he say here i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of the living god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto god that's only reasonable that's your spiritual thing to do which is your reasonable service How do you do that? You be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. What I want to say to you this evening is this, that you have no hope of becoming like Jesus if as a part of the pattern of your life you disdain the Word of God. You say, I don't disdain the Word of God. Okay, let me put it this way. You ignore the Word of God. You know what scares me? I mean, this, this frightens me terribly. I'm going to be talking with our deacons and our deacon council night about, about changing this. You know what frightens me? There are many men who want to know what to do right. And they flock to places and around people who'll just tell them what's right to do. But the only kind of man who's really going to change this world is not a man who sits around and lets people tell him what to do even as spiritual as it may be and as right as it may be, just gulp it down. Those are the things we ought to do. I'll go do that. The men who are going to change this world are the men who learn to find out for themselves by God's Spirit through the Word of God what God is saying to their hearts. I'm watching men who just cop out. They just live a life in default, and they live it, they say it's Spiritual. In fact, they will, they will put it in something like this. They'll say, this is spiritual. You know, the Bible says, to me, and this is true, the Bible says that I should not ignore the cautions of my wife. What many men are doing is they're just being drugged around by cautions because they're not willing to put in the time and the effort and the dedication to dig in the Word of God and find what the Word of God says to them as a man and live by the Word of God. So their heart is knit together with their wife, and they're not constantly talking about cautions. They're talking about an aggressive participation with the plan of God for their marriage. And so he's saying here, if you want to win, number one, have you genuinely repented of sin? Number two, have you totally trusted in Jesus Christ? Then number three, get your life renewed. Become like Christ who lives within you by finding out what Christ looks like. Allowing God's Holy Spirit to transform you, to renew you, to exchange you, to show you about Jesus and the principles of the Word of God. Oh, there's, there's another thing here. He said, we're not through yet. He said, one other thing. Give others a break. They're somewhere along the pilgrimage too. Give them a break. Sometimes we won't give anybody a break unless they're exactly where we are. Then we say, hey, (laughs) you're spiritual. Hey, you know what the Apostle Paul says? Hey, listen, he said, I want to tell you about this body of Christ. It's made up of all kinds of different people. And when Jesus looks down here, see, you're over here worried about this guy because he's a Greek. He said, there's no Greek. You're over here saying, well, that guy's a Jew. He said, there's not a Jew say, so, well, he's been circumcised. Jesus said, hey, he hasn't been circumcised. What? Well, what about those barbarians? They're included. Scythians? Yes. Hey, but the slaves? Slaves. What about the free? Free. You see, Jesus looks at that and says, that's all part of my bride. I'm working on all. Give each other a break, will you? Give each other a break. A lot of what is seething in the hearts of people is their dissatisfaction with what? Others with whom they are going to spend eternity in heaven have said or done to them. Well, this barbarian, this Scythian, you uncircumcised Philistine, you Jew. He says, look, in the body of Christ, there is neither Greek nor Jew. Circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, Bond nor free, but Christ is all in all out there. So when somebody comes along and they're not where you are, should that create within you? Uh huh. Yeah. That does. No. He's saying here, give each other a break. We're all growing. We're all growing. Do you understand what he's saying here? This makes sense to you. Nod your head like this if it makes sense to you. Say yes. This makes sense to me, Pastor. Okay, all right, let's try it the other way. If it doesn't, go like this. No, it doesn't make sense to me, Pastor. What I want you to see is this. Folks, most people who are believers in Christ get upset with other believers in Christ because they're not walking the walk that they want them to walk. And the Apostle Paul says, I've got news for you. The body of Christ, and Christ is in all this. There are these Greeks over here. They love... Heroes, isn't that the way you pronounce gyros? Heroes, sandwiches, the smell of garlic, and they're the Jews, eating their bagels and raw fish. Circumcised and the uncircumcised, and the, the barbarians ripping the meat off, and the Scythians. And he says, "Hey, look, the bond and the free." So I want to tell you something. If they've given their hearts to Christ. They're on a pilgrimage. You're going to be in heaven with them forever. Why don't you give each other a break? Why don't you love one another and realize that it is God who is working within you both to will and to do of His good pleasure? You say, okay. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's get that circle a little narrow. Why don't you give your wife a break, guys? Why don't you give your husband a break, dear lady? Hey, parents, why don't you give your children who are born again a break? And hey, kids, why don't you give your parents a break. They're going to be in heaven too. And if you hadn't cleaned your room before you got there, they're going to tell you about it too. You know what he's saying? Christ is at work in all of us, conforming us, what? To the image of his son. That's what God is doing. Conforming us to the image of his son. And one of the things that we are given to do, we are to provoke, that means to spur on each other to love and to good works, proper Christ-like behavior. So how am I going to cast off these errors? How am I going to take these things off and put them aside? Be born again? Turning from sin, turning to Christ? Burying myself in the Word of God, asking God's Holy Spirit to change me into the image of His dear Son? Instead of looking at other people who seem to be barbs to me because of the way they are, I'm going to give them a break. They're on the same path. And it could be, oh, I know it's probably impossible to even think of it, it could be they're even farther than I am. Heaven forbid. But it just might be. They've got to step on me. And I've got something to learn from them. Well, what have we said? There are four elements you need to consider. Five enemies you need to crucify. Tonight, six errors you need to cast aside. Wednesday night, seven excellent virtues in which you must clothe yourself. Father, I trust that your Holy Spirit moving in this place tonight will bring us to point of decision. Father, I pray that you will create within our hearts an eagerness to to be transformed by your word. An eagerness to allow you to show us day by day how to deal with these errors, these sins in our life. Father, thank you for your word because it is by your word that we see the error of our ways. It is by your word that we are transformed through the working of your Holy Spirit as we begin to see who Jesus is thank you for your love oh heavenly father thank you for your love now father i pray you would find us eagerly responding and i pray it in jesus name heads are bowed in a moment we're going to stand together this altar is open in fact if god's already spoken to your heart you know what god's saying to you why don't you just get up and come to this altar as some are even now just kneel down here and say lord man i didn't realize i thought My struggle with lying was just a basic struggle with with lying, and I realize now I must be an angry man or woman. That's where that evil communication and that blasphemy, that slander, and that malice and that wrath comes from. I just must be a basically angry person at my lot in life. Now... Are you going to let God deal with it? And let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Will you respond to what he says? Well, I want to urge you to do that. Many people are already here at this altar. Others of you will want to join them. Now, in the midst of these here come the altar. Let me just say that I believe there are people here who tonight need, you want to. The Lord's speaking to your heart about joining this church. Would you do that without reservation? I mean, just make your way to the altar and say to one of these counselors, look, we believe, I believe, <laughs> I need to be here. Maybe you're coming back home from school. Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you've been here many times and just never taken the time to join the church. Well, you ought to do that tonight. And I'd urge you to make that decision. It could be that you've trusted in Christ as your Savior. You've never confessed it through believer's baptism. I'd urge you to come. It could be that the thing that you struggle with is this. Have I really repented of sin and trusted in Christ? And if you've not, well, then, friend, you're not on your way to heaven. And so tonight, you'd want to come and find one of these counselors and say, I'm struggling with this, and and I want to know and know that I know that I've trusted in Christ, that I have eternal life. I've turned from sin, that I'm a new man in Christ. I want to know that. And I would urge you to make that decision this evening, coming and just saying, look, uh, I want to open my heart to Christ. Others of you want to come and join these who are here at the altar and just pray. Father in heaven, I believe you're going to do a great work in our lives tonight. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing with the praise singers. In my life, Lord, be glorified. As we sing, you just come and join these who are right here at this altar saying yes.